Welcome to another podcast from Planet Shakers Church. For details on campus locations and service times, check out planetshakers.com. Today we've got Dr. Clayton Coombs speaking on Don't Forget Your Position. Let's check it out. I want to read to you while you're standing. We'll sit in a moment. But if I can read to you from Mark 16, we're going to read from verse 15. It said, Jesus said to them, yeah, thank you. We're going to read from Mark 16, 15. That's a little bit more like it. Jesus said to them, Go out into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. Everyone who believes and is baptised will be saved and everyone who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In My Name they will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it won't hurt them a bit. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It says that after the Lord had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and He sat down at the right hand of God. Now I wanna tell you today, before we sit down, that Jesus didn't go to heaven because He's finished with the earth and He's just gonna leave it to us. We we don't serve a distant God today. Jesus promised, I will be with you until the very end of the world. He says, I'm leaving, I'm gonna go into heaven and sit down and take my rightful place, but I'm not going anywhere. My presence will be with you. So the question this morning is not, is He with us, but are we with Him? Because if we wanna be with Him and wanna dwell in His presence, then we need to learn the position that He's in and understand why He's in it. Because the Bible says, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And if you go right through to Revelation 4, you'll find that's the most powerful position in the room. The 24 elders are seated all around. They're saying, worthy is the, uh, the, the, the Lamb you to receive all glory. There's four living creatures and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But there's one in the centre. There's one on the throne. His Name is Jesus. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's worthy to receive all the praise. And He's seated. But the Bible says, here's the good news that because Jesus arose and sat down, Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And so I really wanna talk to you today as we take our seats, you can take your seats, I'm gonna take my seat. I wanna talk to you today about this seated position where we are seated in heavenly places. And I wanna talk to you from this seated position, uh, not because I lack the strength to stand, but because I, um, I wanna plant this picture in our minds. Uh, and, and I wanna kind of disrupt our thinking a little bit. We're used to watching a preacher just stand and, and we're familiar with that, but I wanna disrupt that enough that you can remember that this is our position because my exhortation to you today is, don't forget your position. And I was this close to calling it, by the way, for heaven's sake, sit down. But I thought I'd just call it, don't forget your position. Let's not forget our position today. We are seated with Him in heavenly places. That doesn't mean by the the way that there's nothing to do. There's plenty to do. 
Um, There's lots of fruitful things that God has good works prepared in advance for us to do. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about a standing position as well. But I'm telling you, if you're going to stand on the earth, if you're going to withstand and and having done all to stand in battle, then you'd better learn how to sit down with Him in heavenly places. Because how effective you're going to be in the standing position when you face enemies in the battle is substantially dependent on whether and to what extent we learn to sit down with Him in this position. I am, some of my fondest memories of my early childhood were sitting with my father. We wouldn't sit on the couch to watch TV because the TV is in an odd position in the house I grew up in. It's, um, I know this is a bit of a no-no, but it's above the dinner table. And uh, so we would have to sit down at the table to watch the television. But I, I just remember sitting with him, watching the cricket. We're coming into cricket season, praise God. It's always the season of the year when I relax because I go back to those times when as a child, I learned this principle for the first time to just sit down with my father and see things from his perspective. It's, it's the most relaxing and peaceful and restful place really that that you can be. This this chair, this seat, the seat that God's prepared for you is a place of rest. And I don't know about you, but it's very difficult to be stressed in this position. You can be stressed, but in order to be stressed, you have to leave the position. If, If you wanna get involved in solving the problems of your life and striving and trying to figure things out in your own strength, you're going to have to stand up on, on, on the earth. But, but if you want to adopt God's perspective and invite God's power to change the situations and the circumstances that face us, then we need to learn to sit down with Him, seated with Him in heavenly places. This is a place of rest. And I want to remind you that in the beginning, God created out of nothing, everything that is. You and I didn't bring anything to the table. We didn't bring anything to that equation. It's not like we got involved in that creation at all. God created humanity, Adam and Eve, on the sixth day, my Bible says. And the seventh day was a day of rest because God finished on all of the work of creating that He'd been doing. So He sits down on the seventh day, Adam and Eve get up on the seventh day. And they say, what should we get into today? What do we need to do? There's a commission, there's a world to fill, there's dominion to take, there's things to produce. What do you want us to do? Do you know what God says to them? And I'm paraphrasing, I'm probably imagining, but something very much like this, God would have to have said to them. He said, no, 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 no. Today, just sit down. That's all you need to do today. And Adam and Eve, what do they say? As they sit down, they say, sure, but we haven't done anything yet. We, we haven't earned a break. Surely we sit down and take a break when we've worked to earn the break. And God says, no, 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 you misunderstand. I've done it all. You rest on the basis of my work. And we're introduced to this principle that when we work for God, we work most fruitfully from a place of rest and not so that we might rest. I don't know, in the natural, the weekend comes after the week of work. And when we sit down on a Saturday, or we don't sit down, we just don't, we, we fail to get out of bed on a Saturday morning. I don't know about you, but, but we, we enter into that place of, of rest on the weekend. It's, and we go, you know what? I've worked hard, I deserve it. But it's not like that in the Spirit. 
Because in this place, you did nothing to deserve it. You did nothing to earn it. He did everything and took His seat and we simply enter into His rest. Some of us, some of us, that's your Word today. The Word to you is stop striving and enter into His rest. As a matter of fact, if I could push you intertextually, Hebrews 4 says, therefore strive to enter His rest. We do what we can do. We spend our energy and our our devotion to position ourselves for what only God can do, that, that God's power might be released in us. We enter into that place of authority, not from our own work, but because of what Jesus has already done. It is a place of rest today. But I wanna tell you, it is a place of authority. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, I am sending you. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And He sits down and He sends us, but He invites us to sit with Him. That means, that means by the way, that we can be doing the things of God faithfully while seated with Him in heavenly places, seeing things from His perspective, commanding things with His authority. And I'm telling you, this is a far better posture of prayer. I don't mean physically, by the way. I don't care if you kneel. I don't care if you stand and pace. Sometimes when you come at seven o'clock in the morning, we'll walk around to pray. And and that's because we wanna get our bodies involved and, and come into agreement. And by the way, I know I'm sitting, but you're quite welcome to stand and agree with me this morning. That's what we do in Planet Shakers Church. You're allowed to bring your bodies into agreement, but I don't care if you pace. I don't care if you kneel. I don't care if you stand. But in the Spirit, we need to understand the power of this position. We need to sit down because the potency of our power depends on our revelation of rest. Will you sit down? Will you stop striving? Stop trying to impress Him with all of the things that we can do. It doesn't help, you know. I don't know if you fondly imagine that you bring anything to the table. Maybe you bring Him your very impressive resume. Say, God, look at all the things I've built. I'm a self-made man. Do you know the Apostle Paul tried that trick? He played that card. He comes to, to, to Jesus unwillingly, by the way, but he comes to Jesus and he says, oh, I tell you what, have a look at my resume. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I can even name my tribe. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. So I've, I've totally forgotten how painful that stuff is. And, and, and I, um, I as, as to zeal, you wanna know if I'm zealous, I was persecuting the church. As to, listen to this, as to legalistic righteousness, Faultless. I never broke the law. He's probably full of it, but but anyway, that's that was what was what he put on his resume. Sometimes there's a bit of puff on our resumes. Do you know? Do you know what Jesus says to him? Bin it. Put it in the bin. Why would I say that? Because Paul himself says in Philippians, right after he gives his resume, he said, you know what I did? I tore it up. I put it in the shredder on DNA day. I screwed that thing up and I put it in the bin and I now consider it rubbish for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Paul understands the power of this position that we don't bring anything to the table. This is a place of authority. Come on, church, we're entering into a season where we're not going to be praying, pleading prayers anymore. We're simply going to be issuing decrees from the place of authority. And I think of Jesus when He faced impossible situations. 
You remember that they're in the boat and they're on the lake and a storm blows up and threatens to drown them. All the disciples are panicking in their faithlessness. Jesus has to rebuke them and say, you have little faith, why did you doubt? He just goes to sleep. He's that level relaxed because He just knows that He knows that He knows His own authority. And when the storm blows up, He simply looks at the storm and says, hey, enough, stop, I was sleeping sits down in the back of the boat, presumably to go back to sleep. He says, peace, be still. You realise they said peace when they were saying hello to one another back then. It's, it, it, it's shalom. That's, that's how you greet somebody at that time and in that place. So He's simply saying to the storm, hello, I'm in charge here. Stop, that's enough. That's the authority that you are invited into. Now for heaven's sake, sit down. There you go, I did bust that out. It's a place, this place is a place of provision. The Bible talks about a table that is prepared for us. Again, Jesus does all the work. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul, dot, dot, dot. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We might wish that He would have put it somewhere else. But you realise He's put it very deliberately in the presence of the enemies because He intends to make a statement to those enemies with your life. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians, to Him be glory in the church. He wants the world to see something, something that's been declared in you, over you and through you. And so He invites you to a feast. He invites you to sit down and you come in like through this gauntlet of enemies on either side, but, but we've locked eyes with Him. We're looking only at Him. He says, I've prepared a table for you and it's all for you. You don't have anything to do, but how about you just sit down? Jesus is the one who said, the Son of Man comes not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And so He, he stands like a server at this table and lays it all out for us and simply says, will you sit down? This seat, this place is a place of joy. It's a place of joy. Why would I say that by the way? Because my Bible says in Psalm 2, I think it's verse four, that the one who sits enthroned in the heavens laughs. This is a place of joy and, and relaxed laughter. And I remember if I could take you back to the, to the um, picture of sitting with my father as a very small child. When he was seated, sometimes he, he would just, that's when he was the most relaxed. And I remember his laughs were big laughs. I mean, they were scary laughs. My, my dad, when he laughed, he would really let go and there was a lot of volume attached to that. He would bend double, sometimes he'd fall off his chair and it's just, it's a very relaxed and very joyful. But, but that's a picture of life in this chair. It's a joyful place. It's a, can I push you a little bit? It's a funny place. Some of us will sometimes say, oh, God's got a sense of humour. And what we mean when we say God's got a sense of humour is He's all the time laughing. He's setting me up for these things. And, and maybe you feel like you're the punchline to God's humour. I don't know. But I, I'm telling you, God is enjoying your life. Zephaniah 3.17 
says He will quiet you with His love. He rejoices, He takes joy, He rejoices over you with singing. I remember the early days of, of our own parenthood when the kids were still small enough to, to hold in one hand and you just look at them and uh, when nothing else worked, sometimes you'd get desperate and sing. But when they finally went to sleep and they were that level peaceful, you just look into their eyes, their shut eyes, and, and think about all of that the, the God's placed in their heart and just your overwhelming love for them. And sometimes you'd begin to sing silly little songs, prophetic songs. We would just sing over them and rejoice over them. That's what God does to you. He's not stressed by the things that stress us out. This is one of the, 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 the powerful prophetic things that I wanna to declare today. And I want you to see He's not stressed over the things that stress us out. We get stressed about our enemies, but we get stressed and intimidated by our enemies because we're standing on earth. But, but see, when you, when you ascend and sit down, when you kind of zoom out and see things from His perspective, the enemies, seriously, write this down. The one who sits in uh, Psalm 2 verse 4, the one who sits enthroned in the heavens, laughs. Here's another one to write down. Psalm 37, 13. He's laughing at His enemies. He holds them in derision. Why? Because they are hilarious. Because they shake their fist at God, their wicked little fist at God, and they, and they tell Him all of their grand plans and what they're gonna do. And sometimes if we're standing on earth and He's seated in heaven, we're standing in between the enemy and the one who laughs, obscuring His perspective as it were, and, and, and feeling terribly intimidated. No, come on, the enemy, the enemy's a liar. He overstates his position. It's smoke and mirrors when he shakes his fist in your face. He's a liar and he's a bully. And I'm telling you that bullies, I'll tell you one thing they don't like, and that is lack of attention. One thing that they absolutely hate is to be laughed at and to be ridiculed. But the thing is, the enemies of God, which are our enemies, by the way, our, our enemies are God's enemies. He's laughing at your enemies. They are inherently funny. They really are. I think about enemies like, and, and the stupid kinds of things that they will say, even things that people fear, terrible things that people fear in this life, like the fear of death. And yet Paul will say, we get the last laugh with that one. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? And we start chanting at the bully and going, you're small and insignificant because you don't get to win in the end. You don't even get to decide the day that I die because God holds my life in His hands. He could heal me in an instant, but if not, if He chooses not to, I'm healed anyway. I have eternal life. You can't disrupt that. Come on, sometimes we need to just draw back, sit down, have a laugh at God's enemies. He can't threaten you if we have God's perspective. I'll ruin you. I remember the times Fun times they were. I remember saying to you, this is the coolest holiday we've ever had. It was when we suffered a catastrophic ceiling failure in our home a few years ago, which rendered it um, uninhabitable immediately. And it was towards evening. We didn't even know where we were gonna spend the first night, but we got put up in a hotel for the first two nights. 
We never put ourselves up in a hotel because we've got a family of seven and that stuff doesn't work, you know, like it's a little bit impractical. But the estate agent tells us to go to the hotel and we're just having a little holiday there. But when we're there, we didn't even know where we're gonna spend the next night. We're literally facing homelessness and it's towards the end of a school year, by the way. We're trying to keep everything going. We're trying to keep college going. We went to somebody's wedding. We, we did not even know where we were gonna sleep. And I turned up to Wednesday morning prayer one morning and, and um, there's a couple in our church and said, hey, we're just thinking, would it, would, you, would it be helpful to you to stay at our apartment in the city? And I went, yes, it would, because I had no idea where we were gonna sleep tonight. I just knew that God was gonna provide. They said, no problem, we'll meet you, we'll get you the keys. Sit literally in the spa at that hotel, looking out over the city. And I said, Dan, this is the coolest holiday we've ever had. I have got no idea what's happening, but it is fun. It is super fun. The kids had a beaut time and we're cooped up in this beautiful two bedroom apartment. It was a little bit small for us, to be honest. And there wasn't any floor space left. And then towards the end of that week, because we only had it uh, for a week, there's another couple in our church come and said to us, hey, would you like to come and stay in our apartment in the city? And we're like, yes, we would. Thank you very much. And I remember the time when we uh, brought the kids up and we got out of the lift and I said, you need to take your shoes off because we're entering into an Asian household here. And that's what I'd been told. And they said, that's fine, but we only just got out of the lift. Where's the front door? And then they opened their eyes and looked around them because the lift was the front door and, and it was the entire floor and the entire next floor. And, and it's just, it, the thing is this, God is going to sort it out. And you can choose to either be in a position of faith about that or in a position of stress about that. It's not gonna change the outcome. It's not actually gonna change the outcome. God's gonna sort it out. God's, God is at work in your situation. And you could be at work trying to help Him and end up getting in His way anyway and stress yourself out in the process. Or you could just, for heaven's sake, sit down and have a laugh with Him. I, I, I just want for us, I want for you, for the testimony of faith in your life to always have been, I relaxed in a time of great uh, pressure and a time of great struggle. We still look back on that as one of the best holidays that we ever had. And God set us up with a unit out of that. And we were literally one month where we could have been homeless or I, I don't, literally don't know what we would have done. Um, and yet our schedule wasn't disrupted, our routine wasn't disrupted and we saw God's amazing provision day by day. This is a place, I don't even know what point I'm up to, but I think it's a place of provision. No, it's a place of joy. It's a place of all of these things. There's joy in the provision. Do you know, God had to, in the 90s, some of us are still old enough to remember, those of you who are not, you, you know, you just have a laugh at our expense because yes, those were the tambourine and flag waving times in the church. We're just gonna, we're just gonna own up to that. I'll sign that. Um, yes, we did live through those times, but God had to, God had to do this whole move of God to restore people's joy. And and people ended up just coming to church for refreshing because I don't know, we were just so stressed in the 90s that but, but we'd come to church and as soon as we got in the door almost, it was just like we'd start laughing. The preacher started preaching, we'd start laughing and it was like this laughing revival. They even called it a laughing revival. And it was funny, it was hilarious. Sometimes you didn't, everybody was laughing. You didn't really know whether you were laughing because everybody laughing was funny or some kind of, you know, a comedic group think or because the preacher was funny or because the Holy Spirit was funny or because it was the holy laughter. You know, you're sitting there laughing going, this is 
Am I getting this or am I just laughing because it's funny? I don't know. But the thing is the number of burdens that God broke off people's lives in that time. And if you speak to people having those encounters with God, time after time after time, they'll take you back to areas of deep pain where God healed things that had been keeping them in bondage for years. Nehemiah puts it this way, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Paul says it this way, rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. It's no stress to me to say it all over again, but it's a strength to you if I say it again. James puts it this way, he says, consider it all joy. Well, some of it's joy and some of it's not joy because we have this little accounting mentality. We've got the joyful stuff and the not joyful stuff. And James says, no, consider it. By the way, that word consider, sorry to just teach you this morning, that is an accounting term. It's reckon it, consider it. In other words, James says, this, we're gonna do some creative accounting here, but when you get this perspective, you're gonna know what column to put the, all of the events in life in. He says, when you understand that perseverance must finish its work in you, when you understand what God's doing in your life that He's developing faith, He says, that will give you the revelation to count it all in the joy column. Lost my job, count it all joy, says James. So how do I do that? Sit down. Oh, I'm laughing at the enemy of lack today. I get it. Count it all joy. Went to the doctor, got a cruddy diagnosis. Everybody's terrified now. Count it all joy, says James. How do I do that? Sit down, take a laugh at the enemy that's wagging his fist in your face and telling you what you can and can't do and what the rest of your miserable life's gonna look like and laugh. He gets so intimidated when we laugh. <laughs> we just need to, do you know, God is enjoying your life so much. It's about time we started enjoying it with Him. Really, we need to sit down and get His perspective. It's not just, it's not just enemies that actively oppose us that get intimidated when we laugh. Jesus said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, which means that at some point we get this perspective, we actually get on the offensive and start advancing on the enemy with our holy laughter, with our um, powerful joy and start taking down his strongholds. Do you know what enemy? God wants to shift some things in this city. You're, you're standing that the gates of hell are barred. This city is barred to the church. And you shake your fist at us and say, you can't get in here, you can't say this, you can't release these people, you can't declare the Gospel over here. Do you know what we say? <laughs> yes, we can. Yes, we can. Because you're pathetic and you're small and you're lying and Jesus is gonna have His way in this generation. So help me God. This is, come with me to Luke. It's a place of, it's a place of intimacy and dependence. Luke 10 tells a story. It says, and I'm gonna read it in the New King James, which is gonna come up on the screen because otherwise I'll have to talk about Greek and I've done that enough. Now it happened as they went that He entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed Him into her house. What do we know about Martha? It says, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat. She also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His Word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Him and said, Lord, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the serving by myself? Tell her to help me. 
all of a sudden they forget they're adults and start having childish arguments. It's like, why do I have to do this? Tell her to help me. And, she, um, and Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you worried and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen that better part and it's not gonna be taken away from her. When we read this story, we're tempted to think that it's actually about Mary and her revelation, and it is. But don't forget that it was Martha that invited Jesus into her home. And, and the Scripture seems to suggest that she was in the habit of doing that. What's more, Martha always prepared for Him. She always did what was necessary to host His presence, make sure He had a good experience and had a welcome in her home. That was how Martha rolled. And what's more, Martha was in the habit of sitting at His feet because it said um, that Martha had a sister, Mary, who also sat at His feet. Martha had paved the way with her serving and her welcome and her hospitality and inviting Jesus into her home for her younger sister, Mary, to also understand how to sit at His feet in that powerful, in that intimate, in that dependent place. It's just that this particular day, Martha was distracted worried and concerned about so many things that Jesus had to correct her. Say, Martha, you're worried and concerned about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Do you know how you get worried and concerned about many things? You leave, you leave the seat. There's nothing in there that, that, that said that Jesus was quite happy for no, none of that work to be done. All of the work needed to be done. And I want to speak to in this little bit, I want to speak to faithful Christians who do serve and who do host and who do run around doing the things that are necessary um, to see God move in the lives of others and to welcome His presence into our house. Let's not forget our birthright is at His feet as well. We're the ones who started at His feet. Let's continue sitting with Him at His feet in that place of intimacy, that place of dependence. Hey, it's been so great that you've been able to join us today. I hope that your faith is filled. If you have any prayer requests or you wanna connect with us any further at Planet Shakers, why don't you be a part?